0: When I first started writing my very first book, I used a general purpose word processor because I didn't know any better. And the problem with word processors, like Microsoft Word, OpenOffice, and Pages, is that they were originally made for drafting memos to print out and pass around the office, if you can remember that far back. And yes, since then, lots of features have been added, But they were not built for authors, either at the beginning or even really today. Authors are an afterthought. And once you have finished a full-length book, you know what I'm talking about. The word processor becomes your biggest obstacle to publication. And this is unfortunate. It's also unnecessary. There's now a whole world of word processors made specifically for authors. The most famous are probably Vellum and Scrivener, and I've done episodes on those tools on my other podcast, The Christian Publishing Show. But there is a new word processor out for authors that everyone is buzzing about, Atticus. And it promises to be the best of both Scrivener and Vellum. And it runs on a PC, not just a Mac. So you don't have to buy a Mac to use this tool like a lot of people used to do for Scrivener and still do for Vellum. So what is Atticus? And does it really make writing your book Better. Well, that is what we're going to talk about in this episode of Novel Marketing, the longest running book marketing podcast in the world. I'm Thomas Umstadt Jr., CEO of Author Media, and this is the show for writers who want to build their platform, sell more books, and make a difference with writing worth talking about. And I'll say this episode is for both indie and traditional authors, both published and unpublished fiction and nonfiction. But if you're an indie, it's most important because you are responsible. For typesetting. And to talk about Atticus, I have the man behind the machine. He is the founder of both Publisher Rocket and Atticus, and an official friend of the show, Dave Chesson. Welcome to the Novel Marketing Podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. So, give us an overview. What is Atticus, and how is it different from Microsoft Word? Microsoft Word was built to just write
1: anything. And it's got a lot of really cool functionality. A lot of people are really kind of used to it. We've used it for years and years. But the truth of the matter was, was that it never was designed with, say, large documents kind of projects, whether that is writing a novel, a nonfiction, a playwright, like you could do those things, but it was never designed with that in mind. And when people write large documents, there are components that they really want. They want to be able to more effectively and efficiently work within chapters, be able to access notes, be able to track better. And again, there's all these kind of things that just come into the writing itself. But when it comes specifically to books, though, I think there are really three phases to writing a book, especially where software can serve. And the first is the actual writing of the book. That's one format. The second thing is working with your editor, your art team readers and things like that to verify because you want to have your book checked by people, whether that the editor is there to change the grammar or maybe to help you with developmental components or kind of help you find where your story is lacking, whatever type of editor you're using. Or if you're using an advanced reader copy or beta team or something to give you feedback, you're in this part where you're collaborating with people in order to check to make sure the book is there. So that's phase two. So we said one was writing and second was collaboration. The third comes in when it's to format your book. Okay. And that's making your ebook work with all the online markets and that your print book is going to be accepted by the printers and printed into a nice looking book. And so, in truth, when you look at those three things, nothing really does it right yet. Not one thing. Okay. You could say, Hey, Scrivener's really good at writing. You're right. Scrivener's good at writing, but you can't collaborate and you can kind of format with it, but. There's like a $50 course on Udemy teaching people how to format with Scrivener.
0: And most people have to export from Scrivener into Microsoft Word to interact with their editor. Then they have to then take that Microsoft Word document once it's done editing, kick it back into Scrivener. And sometimes that process breaks. My brother had that process break and he had whole chapters that were vomited out in the wrong part of the document. And it was a mess that his editor and him had to clean up in the Word document version.
1: Right. And then when you go to format, you're going to be very limited in what you can do with it. Now you could say the other way of, okay, well, I like writing a word. And so I'll write a word and I'll email back and forth, back and forth, back and forth my editor. I'm probably going to end up with a whole bunch of versions on my desk, by the way, a whole bunch of word documents that say final, final, this is the final, final edit, et cetera. (laughs) And we all have it. But when you finally figure out which one is the final one you're still going to have to load it up into a formatting software, which is where Vellum's really built itself out. And it's basically formatting. You upload your Word document into it. You, they've got some really intuitive ways to make it look like a very professional, good-looking book, and then you export it. But the point that I'm making here is we've discussed so many different things, so many different pieces of software, each one costing more as you go, to finally get it to where you can create a book. And that's one of the things that I really want to fight against. I don't wanna have to leave the program. I would love to come into the One program knowing that it was written to help me with my book, then be able to collaborate with editors and ARC readers, be able to control who has access to what, and when I'm ready, I can just start formatting. Now, what this really builds for the author is that when you're done with the book, say you formatted your book and you hit export and you've now uploaded it to Amazon all the other markets, that's great. Here's the cool part. A year later or so, if you want to make a change, maybe you want to update the book or you just want to update the back matter where you put your also buy and a list of all the links where people could buy your other books, right? You just go into the program, open to that, make the change and hit the export button, you're done again. There's none of this hunting around and hoping this file will work or re-uploading and hope nothing breaks and you just go in, you change it like it's a Word document in that way, hit export, and voila, you're good to go. And re-upload your updated
0: book. It's a great feeling when somebody emails you with a typo, because it almost always <laughs> happens. Somebody finds a typo. And to be able to make the change in five minutes and then email that person back, thank you so much, it's fixed. And they reload their Kindle file, or if they were to buy a new paper copy, it's now fixed. And that feedback, which normally just makes you feel bad, Mm -hmm. right? It's like, wow, we have 10,000 copies of this book in a warehouse with this mistake, and there's no fixing it. If you're print on demand, if you have an ebook copy, so if you're indie published, there's no need for that, right? (laughs) Mistakes can be fixed as quickly as it can happen. Although I will say, I know some authors who outsource their editing to their readers and just wait for people to email them with typos don't do that. (laughs) Hire a real editor. But even with real editors, sometimes things slip through the cracks and it's nice to be able to fix it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that's kind of the big thing is, is that I've made mistakes. I actually once uploaded the wrong file because i had had so many files and I was looking at which one was the final, final copy. And I thought the all caps, this is the final for publish was it only to realize that it didn't include the last chapter that was broken out with the editor. And so I actually sent that one to a formatter who formatted it. I uploaded it and then got a really bad negative review, which deservingly saying, I think this is missing something. And all of a sudden look back and oh boy, and then I had to pay the editor or the formatter to reformat it again. And my point is, is that it's just a really inefficient process and it can be expensive when you add all of the different components to it. And so my goal is to create one software where you never have to leave if you don't want to. You can control every facet of it. And that's not including other things authors do, like outlining, plotting, analytics, gamification, goal setting. These are all things that I want to incorporate into it as well. That You can go there, you can plot, you can organize, write, collaborate, check your analytics, hit your goals, hit your daily writing metrics, and be able to publish, and bam, you're good to go.
0: It's not a Swiss Army knife in the same way that microsoft word is a swiss army knife but it is a multi-tool but for a specific
1: kind of person exactly and so for us to be able to create such a tool would be monstrous it would be like an everest and its whole so what we did was we said okay here's what we're going to do we're going to start with two components we're going to start with formatting and writing okay and so we came out, we launched Atticus back in October 2021. And it was basically formatting, kind of like Vellum, except that we work on all uh, different platforms. So PC, Mac, Linux, Chromebook, where whichever one you want to use. And we've been adding more and more features as we've gone. There's a lot of things that I really wanted as an author to be able to do. Like, for example, I would love to program inside of my book that it opens up on a certain page in a Kindle, which you can do. Right now when you open up on Kindle, it will open up on chapter one. Well, what if I had other parts that I wanted people to go to? What if there was a a content upgrade or an offer? What if I want them to actually go to the copyright page first? You can now program that. And so we started adding all these features that I personally wanted, but then we added the writing component too. You have what feels like a Word document, if you will. You can rearrange your chapters. There's also goal setting, habit trackers, things like that. And right now, we're finishing up on a couple more things inside of those. But soon, we're going to be adding that collaboration that I talked about. And so then, authors can write. They can collaborate. They can even collaborate with other authors as well. And then they can format. And that will be the core of what we want to do. But my team, especially anybody who's ever bought Rocket, knows that I'm constantly working and improving and adding. And so, we will be doing the same thing. And like I do with Rocket, too any of those new features or capabilities are going to be free upgrades for current
0: owners. Back when I worked as a marketing director for a marketing agency, our lead developer programmed, or at least he threatened that he programmed, on the company server that anyone who saved a file to the company server with the word final in the file name, that file would be automatically deleted. <laughs> so you could never say this is the final version. You could only say this is version 47 or whatever, because that becomes a real challenge, right? Because the final, 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 final version three gets really confusing. And that often happens with Microsoft Word. In fact, when I wrote my book for the collaboration piece, I didn't use Microsoft Word to avoid that. I used Google Docs where you're not emailing files back and forth and having to merge. I've got these edits from these five people. I need to merge it. And oh, this one person didn't know how to use the tool right and messed up the formatting for the whole thing. So walk us through how that collaboration piece is going to work inside of Atticus.
1: Yeah. Well, there's two things that we had to keep in mind when creating this. Number one is editors prefer Word over Google Docs. Like it's a bummer because I'm with you. I prefer Google Docs because then I can see them I can have five people working on it at once, I can do comments, I can communicate with them. But the truth be told is editors just prefer Word. They love the track changes, they're used to it. So what we needed to do as a company was to build something that feels like Word but acts like Google Docs. And that's kind of the way that we're approaching it. Now imagine it this way. You're on the program, you go into collaboration, and what you're gonna see is you're gonna see on the right side a list of the types of collaboration. And there's either collaborate with writers, with editors, with ARC and beta team, and with formatters. And each one of those collaborations is very different. Okay, it's different permissions. If you're collaborating with another writer, it means you both can write together. If you're collaborating with the editor, they can only suggest changes, to do track changes. And if you're collaborating with formatting, they can only touch formatting and beta and arc readers can only leave comments. So on this right side, you can see everybody you've given permission to. And what I really like about that right side too, is that when somebody's done, when your editor is done or the formatter or whoever, you can click and they remove access automatically. So now you know who has access to your book and you can have control on that access as well. So with this said, we said there's four types of people that you can collaborate with, right? Writers, editors, arc and beta, and formatters only writers and formatters have to have a copy of Atticus in order for it to work because there's just too much functionality out there that both need to have it but editors and arc and beta readers do not need to have it because what you can do is you can click put in their email address and it will send them a link and when they click that link it will allow them to open up and create a free either editors version or beta reader version online. Once they've logged in, they can see that one project. And if they're an editor, it will look just like Word where they can track changes. They can also comment. And you can then accept the changes and it will go into your manuscript when you do that. Otherwise, it won't affect your manuscript. And same thing goes with beta readers too, is that as you have these people reading your book, they can comment and they can talk about things, but they can't do edits or anything like that. Also, you can create the permission on whether or not the beta readers can see what the other beta readers have written. This is really important because I've seen in the past where I sent a book via Google Docs and one beta reader commented about some part of the book being confusing and that it just didn't read right. Okay. And then after that person made that comment, everybody else said, yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. I was like, really? But when I started talking to them, they already started saying, well, no, actually, I thought it was okay, but I saw that everybody else had commented on that. And I was like, oh, yeah, I guess I can see that. So I'd wasted all this time, like really trying to dig into something only to find out that it was just one person who sparked that component. Well, I want to make sure that you can either control if they see other people's comments or not. And so again, there's all these little cool permissions that you can give to control the situation better and make it a more conducive environment for how you want
0: it to be taken. So, it not only makes it easy to get feedback from your editor, but also there's a whole like beta reader mode where you can get feedback from your beta readers. And I, I've totally seen that pylon. I also notice it in reviews. Mm. The first few people who leave a review for a book set the tone for a lot of the subsequent reviewers, especially like you send your friends to go and review. So, they're reviewing it not because they started with a strong opinion, but because they want to leave you a good review. So, they kind of read the other reviews to get a feel for what people are doing. So people feel safe going along with the crowd, which is not what you want. When you get feedback, you want people's actual opinions, not their conforming to the group opinions. What is it like to draft that first draft in Atticus? How is it different from starting with a blank word document?
1: Well, starting with a blank word document, I mean, you're going to have to really be prepared on how you want to write generally speaking, you want to at least lay out your chapters. I love just kind of in Scrivener where I will start to break out the chapters. I'll also start to prepare notes, make sure that I understand what I want to cover in each one so as to help me remember what it is that I need to accomplish. One of the other things that's really important too is like if you decide that you want to write on something like Google Docs, understand that at about 100,000 words or 80,000 words or so, Google Docs starts to struggle a little bit. It gets laggy. And so, there's just a whole bunch of kind of things that you want to consider as you start to write large documents.
0: I remember the very first key feature in Scrivener 1 that like blew everyone's minds was focus mode. Mm, they like, mm-hmm. hide the screen, hide the spell check, hide all the formatting buttons and basically recreate the typewriter experience where all you can do is write and there's no distractions whatsoever. Have you added a feature like that to Atticus?
1: Not yet, but it is absolutely on its way. Matter of fact, too, one of the biggest things about us is to make sure people know, and I mean, honestly, to make you feel like you can hold us accountable to exactly what we are proposing to do, we have a public roadmap where you can see exactly what our programmers are currently working on, what's coming next, and what was completed. And you can go check that out at atticus.io forward slash roadmap. We keep that up to date, at least on a weekly basis. And so we're constantly adding new features there, I think focus mode will come after we do dark mode. The cool part, though, about the software is that every time we come out with new features or so, you don't have to re-download or delete or anything like that. The next time you open it up, it's already charging with that. So that's another thing, too, is probably
0: about every other day there's something new. (laughs) So right now, it sounds like it's got kind of basic drafting features for writing the first draft but you're adding more features, and you have more features in your pipeline, and we'll have a link to that roadmap. I assume you're taking suggestions, so if somebody has an idea of some feature they want to add, there's a some sort of submission mechanism?
1: Absolutely, so if you have any questions, any suggestions, send it over to our support. You can find it at atticus.io forward slash support. They immediately can send it over to our programming team. We have a communication system so that we can ensure that those suggestions get in there, but most of the time, being that we've worked with authors for so long and we're a company run by authors, most of the time we've already got it listed. And that's kind of why we're like, go, 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 because I really want this feature and I want this capability. I would say that in formatting, we're about 80%. There's 20% more that I want to go. I think we've already started to pull ahead from everybody else on the market, but there's still that 20% that I really want. With regards to the writing section, I'd say we're about 50 maybe 60%. There's a lot of stuff under the hood that was done that's going to really come to fruition on the front end here very soon. And then collaboration, we're really just starting to gear up the team
0: for exactly that. So, how does Atticus compare to Vellum feature wise? What's it like formatting your book? Somebody's been using Vellum. What will be different for them formatting their book in Atticus?
1: There are authors that are literally buying a Mac computer in order to use Vellum. And I think this kind of goes to show how Vellum set themselves up. You see, they built a great set of software where anyone, no matter your skill set, can upload your Word document. And do a couple of clicks and a couple of changes here and there and create a beautiful professional looking book and they do this because it's very intuitive and on top of that on the right side you can see exactly what your finished book is going to look like you can see what it will look like on a kindle on an iphone or in a print book you can even change trim sizes with just a click of a button this was so good to the community that people who had a PC and didn't like Macintosh would pay for a Mac computer or pay for Mac and cloud just to be able to use it. So when we decided to approach this, we decided that we would not only look at that functionality and create something as intuitive and have that previewer, but that we would make sure that it was used for all. It would work for PC, Mac, Chromebook, Linux. Authors could use it on the go. But there were also a whole bunch of things that we wanted to do to Atticus that Vellum didn't do. For example, back in the day, a lot of people would say the phrase that, you know, you can always tell a Vellum book because they only had eight chapter themes at the time. And so each book started to kind of look like the same. So when we started designing Atticus, we said, nope, we want to hire some professional designers to create even more templates for people to choose from. And we also started building a custom chapter theme builder. Now we came out with ours and then just after that, Vellum came out with theirs as well. But again, when we started the development, there was that one thing that we really wanted to have. There was also a couple of other components that I wanted to, like for example, we wanted them to have more say in the margins if they wanted to. There were all these other things that hadn't been done. And so I guess a really good way of looking at it is we basically took the idea or the, you know the, the ease and flow that Vellum had kind of looked at we improved upon that and added even more features on top of it and the big thing is that we're also over a hundred dollars cheaper than vellum, and that's with all the features that's creating unlimited ebooks books, having the word system and when we have the collaboration that all comes with it so in essence it's vellum with more features with a stronger writing capability and over a hundred dollars cheaper and works on all computers
0: and I think you're really good for Vellum because it was six months after you came out that suddenly Vellum 3 came out. And this competition (laughs) is really good for authors. Absolutely. So I'm not anti-Vellum. I own both tools. And if somebody from Vellum wants to come on the show, we'd be happy to have you. And I think that this is what really benefits authors is Dave and the folks at Vellum fighting each other over who can serve authors better. And you've both already left word in the dust just by existing you left Word in the dust, which means Word isn't really good competition. You're, no one, once they go to Vellum or go to Atticus, no one's like, man, I really miss Microsoft Word. Microsoft Word made me so happy. Nobody's like that. It's like you have a Swiss Army knife and you're using it you know, to screw in Phillips head screws and technically you can do it. Then you get a real screwdriver. No one ever is like, man, I miss that Swiss Army knife. It was so much better. I was like, no, it's better than nothing. And that's the best you can say about it. So the next feature there has been a big buzz about recently, is narration. A lot of authors are starting to narrate. Computers are getting much better at converting voice to text. We're getting more used to talking to our computers. So tell us what your roadmap is in terms of working in narration into the tool, or do you have it already? So
1: we're really working with not just some of the free dictation and having it auto-integrate inside the program itself, but also be able to have it that if you are, say, an owner of Dragon, that it will work inside of it very easily. And that's another thing too, that's really big with our company is we're trying to work side by side with a lot of companies. We just helped work with book brush to make it that if you want to design special images that work perfectly within Atticus, they've created a whole giant section inside of book brush just for that. We're working with drafted digital plotter where people can export their plotting and upload it right into Atticus if that's how they prefer
0: yeah, let me stop you right there because a lot of our listeners use and love Plotter. I've had Ryan Z on the podcast before, especially on my other podcasts. So Plotter, for those of you who don't know, is an incredible tool for helping you create a plot for your book very quickly. And it works with the hero's journey and the snowflake method and basically any popular plotting book that you've read, chances are there's a plotter template for that book somebody else ahead of you has made. And so it gives you kind of a plot framework on a silver platter. So how does somebody use plotter and Atticus together?
1: We're setting it up, and this is in the works, which is where you can export plotter and upload the file right into Atticus. And Atticus, as we're starting to design how we work with plotting, is going to take that information and put it in the right spots so that when you're in chapter one, you will see the necessary things you need for chapter one when you are working on chapter two and so forth. And again, it's not this whole having to jump from window to window or screen to screen in order to use them both at the same time. I personally really like plotter. I think it's a phenomenal plugin. And I'm like, you know what, we're going to make it so that we work best with them. That's not to say that we won't be working with other plotting software, but we just think that that's the right one. You pick them first
0: because you like them, but yeah, you'll be adding the other ones as time comes. We'll have links to all of these things, including links to the other tools we're talking about. It's like Plotter and Vellum and Scrivener. Some of you listening, I know you didn't know there was anything other than Word and your eyes are being opened to this whole new world of tools for authors. Let me just say, the next few weeks for you are going to be amazing because it is really nice to put that Swiss Army knife back in your pocket and actually use a real screwdriver. You're going to be like, why didn't I know about this? Why did no one tell me? So I do want to talk about data security because this is like the biggest fear yeah. of authors. I know authors who would email their literary agent once a week their current draft just to be safe, right? And and I have a literary agent friend who, whose version that his clients emailed him ended up being the version that saved it, right? Something happened, the computer caught on fire. And so if somebody is drafting their book in Atticus, how do they keep that file safe from disaster?
1: Atticus has the best of both worlds. Right now we save it to the cloud automatically. So this is great because if you knock over a glass of wine or something on your laptop, not not that that's a very specific situation that ever happened. Yeah, I lost a glass of wine once. Um, (laughs) Did you lose the laptop
0: uh, though? (laughs)
1: Yeah, yeah, I lost the laptop. too. Um, (laughs) But um, the point, though, is, is that you didn't just lose the work. It's taken care of. So you have the ability to have it backed up. The other thing, too, is you can save it manually onto your computer. You can we call it a snapshot. You can click a snapshot and it will save to a spot in the future, though, we have in the plans to create something where you can just tell Atticus, hey, Atticus, I want you to automatically back up and save all my stuff locally to this spot on my computer. And then when that happens, your books will be there. So in case, I don't know, say something crazy happens and the servers go down. Okay. By the way, our servers, we use AWS, Amazon. So and two thirds of the world is kind of run on that. So if those servers go down, we might have a bunch of real world problems going on. But that being said, though, you will be able to rest assured that it's on your computer as well as in cloud. And if you ever want to restore back to the version that's on your computer, no problem. Right now, you can take the snapshot, but you have to remember to take the snapshot. So I don't think that's the best in case you want to have a local file, but we are working on that. We will have a way for you to save it automatically on a spot on a particular computer. To access Atticus, you could either go to app.atticus.io and log in. So if you're at like Aunt Gertie's house or something like that, you can just totally log in and start writing on her computer. Or you can also hit this button and download it onto your desktop or onto your phone or onto your Chromebook or onto your Mac. And what's really cool is that you can click on it. And so long as you've been logged in at some point, you can take your laptop out without internet and you can start writing, you can work. The only time you need internet connection to use Atticus is if you haven't signed in before, if you're collaborating with somebody, when we come out with collaboration, you're gonna need the internet to collaborate. And when you go to export your ebook. So those are the only times you'll need internet. Otherwise, even if it were down or something like that, so long as you've downloaded it to your computer, you can go write... It just won't sync up with the cloud until it's back up.
0: And to sync with your other computer. So if you're writing on your Chromebook, but you also have a desktop because you know, Dave keeps throwing out Chromebook and where this is really nice, you can get a Chromebook for two or $300, or at least you used to, I don't know what they cost nowadays. But if you're desktop bound, you have a really good desktop, that's your primary computer, but you'd like to be able to write at a coffee shop. A Chromebook is a really, really cheap laptop. That's not good for much, but it's Decent for writing, right? It's not a powerful laptop, but you don't need a powerful laptop to write a book. And so, in this way, you can write on your Chromebook and it's updating your desktop without having to email files back and forth.
1: Exactly. Pick up where you left off.
0: All right. There's one final piece of software that we haven't compared Atticus to. (laughs) And for those of you who are traditionally published, you're like, what is it that the traditional publishers use? The traditional publishers don't use vellum and they don't use caliber sometimes they might if they need to get in and edit the html but what the traditional publishers use is adobe indesign or something Mm -hmm. similar and so there's kind of two questions here how does this compare to adobe indesign and can you do a children's book in atticus
1: okay so for your first question adobe indesign can do everything i mean just flat out everything There is no denying that anything that we've talked about you can do. I'd maybe say some of the HTML programming might be a little different. Like I don't think Adobe InDesign has the ability to set a specific chapter to open up on. Also embedding ebook pages into physical pages. I don't think that it does that as well. But from a like image, right? From the beauty and the layout, there are definitely a lot of things like they have beautiful call out boxes. If you get a phenomenal InDesign designer They can make some really cool looking books.
0: Like, don't get me wrong. And let's say you really need to get a designer because InDesign is what you go to college to learn how to use. There's a reason why mortals don't use InDesign because it's uh, like a whole car mechanic shop worth of tools that if you're a trained car mechanic, you know exactly what that thing is and how to use it. But you really have to have somebody train you exactly. to use InDesign. It's not a, oh, I watched a one hour tutorial and now I know how to use InDesign.
1: Yeah, that's exactly it, is that InDesign is a skill. I mean, it's a beautiful piece of, of software, but you have to have hours and hours of learning it and hours and hours of experience before you can really start creating things that are better looking than what you can do on, on Atticus or Vellum for that matter. And if you're hiring somebody to format your book, that the, the problems you may, you know, that uses end design, the problem is, is that if they're that good, it might honestly be cheaper to use the software. That being said too, is, is that the other problem you run into is say they format it and you make that mistake we talked about earlier, which is, you know, I sent in the wrong file. <laughs> now I have to repay for everything. Or if you make a subtle change or something like that, it changes up the way that they laid out the orphans, the breaks, You might think that it's only a paragraph or a little thing here and there, but it may end up being something that's hours of their time in order to ensure each page ended the way it should, looks the way it should, that there were no hangups or issues. Whereas with Vellum or Atticus, you could go in, change the word, and hit publish and hit export. And there it is. So, like I said, to kind of recap on that, yeah, InDesign is an incredible but it also really takes an education on it. It has so many bells and whistles and things that it can do that you really have to be a specialist. Otherwise, you are have to pay a specialist specialist fees in order to do that one-time format.
0: And InDesign is what like children's book publishers typically use for getting the text and the images to fit together well. From my understanding, Atticus isn't really a tool for that. Like You're trying to fiddle with the fine-tuning of the text and image to get them to go together, that's really a totally different set of skills and a totally different set of software. Is that right? Yes, exactly. All right. Well, if you want to find more, it's Atticus.io. Atticus, like the character from To Kill a Mockingbird, classic uh, character from literature. And of course, we will have a link in the show notes. This episode is brought to you by the Author Media Mastermind Groups. Would you like me to personally help you hit your publishing goals? Well, if you do, I have a couple of coaching groups that now have some openings, if you would like to join them. In these groups, uh, we meet once a month over Zoom, face-to-face, you and a handful of other authors who are in a similar situation. So we have three groups, one for novelists working on their first novels, one for nonfiction authors who are wanting to grow their influence in podcasting or blogging or something similar, And then the third group is for published authors, both fiction and nonfiction, who are wanting to sell more copies of their books and are continuing to write more books. So if you'd like to be in a group with me, I would love to coach you. And you can apply to join one of those groups at authormedia.com. Just click on the Mastermind link under Resources. Our featured patron today is Daniel Bishop, author of Rally Point, Place of Refuge. Leaf and Diana Joe are devastated after she miscarries after so many years of trying to get pregnant. The miscarriage becomes a catalyst for their roller coaster journey to becoming a foster family. Daniel Bishop, thank you so much for being a patron of the podcast. Thank you for helping keep this show on the air. I really could not do this without you and the other patrons who support us every month. Do you have a question you'd like me to answer on the show? Don't worry. You can call our listener helpline, 512-827-8377. You can also send a high quality recording to authormedia.com slash contact. It's the beginning of the year, and this is a great time to submit a topic for a new episode. And who knows? You may hear your voice on this show and then my answer to your question. Dave Chesson, thank you so much for joining us today on the Novel Marketing Podcast. Absolutely. And thanks for having me. The Novel Marketing Podcast is a production of Author Media. This episode's audio was edited by William Umstead. The blog post is by Shauna Lettler. The producer was Laurie Christine, and I am Thomas Umstead, Jr., your host. To find that blog post version of this episode, visit authormedia.com slash 312. Thank you for listening and live long and prosper.